0: All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. We are on our Friday Friends episode, and we're super happy today to have Ryan Ogden, who is our real estate agent who helped us a couple years back moving into the home that we're currently in right now. And uh, Ryan, well, thank you so much, and thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So Ryan has had experience in the real estate realm, and actually a lot longer than that in just home building. It's you have that background in home building, and then you moved over to real estate, I think, in, you said, 05, right? 2005? Correct. yeah. Got my license
1: in both Utah and California right at the same time in 2005. That is so
0: fun. And you've been working in real estate ever since. Correct. Full-time real estate agent Fantastic. since 2005 since 2005. So you've been around the block, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. And so you have, do you still currently hold the license in California and Utah as well?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, but I'm not in California. I'm not affiliated with a broker. I haven't sold a house there for probably three years. So I don't have a brokerage that my license is attached to right now.
0: Gotcha. But if you wanted to sell a house, I I could do it in a day. I could be ready to go. Fantastic. It's just nice having that knowledge of both markets, considering that both markets are very active right now. (laughs) So it's pretty cool that you have that experience. Well, everyone, we are continuing our series this week. Uh, We're continuing our series on real estate, home purchasing, and also we're going to be dealing with mortgages next week. And uh, we wanted to have Ryan on because Ryan helped us a ton. When Kimberly and I were first jumping into our home buying experience... We didn't know anything. <laughs> we didn't know anything about the real estate market. We had financial backgrounds on like mortgages and that kind of stuff, but zero experience when it come to when it came to real estate. And so we needed help. And so we talked about in our previous episodes, a little bit why real estate agents are helpful, what they can provide to you. So we wanted to bring Ryan on the on the show just to kind of give you an idea of what to expect when you're buying a home for the first time, or even if this is your second or third time, what you should expect, what are some of the pitfalls that people run into. So Ryan, if that's right, do you mind if we jump into some of the questions? Absolutely. Awesome. So. Here's a lot of our listeners are brand new, brand new to home purchasing experience like we were when we first met. I think yep, it was. I uh, remember. I think it was like South. No, no, it was. I think it was. Um, fashion Place, wasn't it?
1: Yes, you guys grilled me over a table at the Fashion Place Mall <laughs> with all your questions.
0: Sorry, I don't think anyone's done that before. <laughs> well, oh geez, I did. I hate giving you that message. I hate being that guy. No, it was fun. It was fun. Well, oh, good. Well, we yeah, learned a lot but from you, were, you.
1: You were very thorough with all your questions.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Well, hopefully this will help others then of uh, being thorough. So we have a few questions here. I don't think it will be that bad though. Uh, so most of our listeners are young and new to the whole real estate game. Most of them are asking the question if they should even get a home versus renting to begin with. So why? Why should someone actually purchase a home versus renting one? And where should that transition happen? Um... Throughout my life, I, I've seen the
1: biggest money made by people is from real estate. Um, you're going to live somewhere. Um, so you're going to pay either rent or a mortgage. If you're going to live somewhere for maybe more than a year and you have the uh, a, a stable job, a decent stable job, there's no reason why you should be paying rent. You should buy a house, a reasonable house. You got to go in smart
0: buy the right house, but yes, you should be, should be buying a house. That makes sense. A reasonable house, right? If somebody can't afford it. And we'll actually have a couple, I have a couple questions on that particularly that we want to address with you a little bit later on. So it's, uh, so I read something, correct me if I'm wrong. I read something not long ago about 90 to 95% of the millionaires in the United States make their money through real estate. Is that a surprise at all? Not a surprise. No, no. I'm, I, I come from Southern California Uh,
1: And my parents have bought a couple houses over my lifetime, and I've seen the ridiculous amount of money that they've made off of their houses, and I see it here in Utah too. Um,
0: You're gonna live in a house, why not own it, and then get that market appreciation. Makes sense, makes sense. So why, okay, here's another side note then. Why is this a, why is a home a good investment versus other types of investments? There's a lot of good investments out there, but why would a home be one that's so lucrative that so many people are involved with? Well, a real estate is a fairly safe and stable
1: investment. Sure, in 2008, we had the crash. Mm. Uh, we had the crash because they were giving loans out to people who couldn't qualify for them. We don't have that problem anymore, so I don't see that ever happening again. We may go down in price in the future a tiny bit, but not like we did. It, it's a very stable um, investment. And when it does go up in value, uh, let's say you buy a house for 250000 and three years later it's worth you know, $325,000, you got 75000 in equity. As long as you live in that house for two years, as you know, if you sell it, all the profit is tax-free.
0: Well, that actually brings up a good point because you bring up 2008. And a lot of people have a lot of questions around timing. So when should I get into the market? So I like your response when it was coming to renting versus home buying. That you should, right? It's a, that's a at least if you can, if you can afford it, it's a good option. But when it comes to timing, when should they? A lot of people are hesitant to getting homes these days. So it's uh, so I guess there's many variables that lead to that particular decision, like market timing, moving, jobs, interest rates, investment. There, there's a lot of reasons why. So what would you give when it comes to advice with timing? So, over the past maybe three, four years, I've
1: had maybe a few dozen people tell me, I'm just going to wait for the market to go back down before I buy. I'm just going to wait. It's, it's, it's crazy here in Utah. Um, I'm going to wait. And I think they're crazy because um, it's not going to go back down. We have gone up and it's going to stay up. Sure, we had that crash in 2008 and it went down and it went down significantly, uh, but it's already come back and surpassed that value um, 12 years later, mm-hmm. even it surpassed that value a few years ago. But real estate is not going to just go down and be worth nothing. Homes, um, they're always, always going to go up in value forever. That's just
0: supply and demand. And I've noticed that in Utah as well. And Utah it seems to be just going up. Like I've talked to a lot of people who've been concerned about purchasing homes. When Kimberly and I were actually purchasing this one, uh, they were saying, "Hey, you probably shouldn't," <laughs> because because the markets are. Aren't you, know, you glad you did? And oh, I'm very happy that yeah. we did. It's it's gone up a yeah. lot. Like it's I don't want to say how much, but when we looked at the at what our neighbors are selling the homes for, we were just like, oh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So why in Utah is that such? And why do these investments keep going up versus down?
1: People, like I said, people ask me uh, all the time, hey, do you think we're at the top? Uh, I want to wait to buy. And I tell them they're crazy. And here's why. I have, a, you know, my life experience. I come from Southern California where house prices in some areas have gone up almost 10 times. Mm. The house that I grew up in the 80s is worth 10 times what it was back in the 80s. Wow. Um, I don't know exactly what prices were here in Utah on average, in the 80s. I think they've gone up four or five times in value from the 80s, maybe three or four times, but not 10 times because we haven't seen the population growth here yet. But I've heard that in 20 years or so, the population is going to double. What's that going to do? We have a very limited amount of space here in Utah across the Wasatch Front, and it's just going to drive the prices up like crazy. So I think and I predict that in 10 15 years prices here will double from what they are today I know it's a bold prediction but that's what I believe because I've seen it happen
0: in California now that makes sense it's uh one of the things that's really surprised me is how many people are coming to Utah it's uh there's a lot of reasons for it but it's it's kind of jammed right now <laughs> and if you're saying it's going to be doubling and you then haven't that, seen jammed oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I'm so spoiled living in... Oh, I grew up here in Utah. And we lived in Arizona for a little bit too. And there was some uh, uh, traffic jams because it's a pretty big city in Phoenix. But but Phoenix has the ability to keep expanding and expanding
1: outward. They have the room for that. Um, In Southern California, they don't have the room for that. They're bordered by mountains. It's a bigger area than than the Wasatch Front. But the Wasatch Front is very limited on space. And there's not much farther than you can go, you know, the south end of Utah County uh, into Nephi, but um, there's a limited amount of space here. And if you double the population, I can guarantee you that in 15 years, prices will be double. And most people think I'm crazy by saying that, but it will happen. Do you think we're ever going to move out of a seller's market? or is that- <laughs> Not for the near future. No, there are too <laughs> many people in Utah. There are too many young people in Utah. So here's what I tell people. Utah has the youngest population in the country. We have one of the, the best or one of the best economies in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the and, and a finite, finite amount of space. That's a recipe for in, increased property values. So two, three months ago, coronavirus hit. All the real estate peers and industry was freaking out. Oh no, here it comes. Here's... Here's our, you know, gonna gonna uh, do what what happened in 2008, and for about two weeks, the amount of showings and buyers requesting showings and stuff uh, kind of slowed down, and then all of a sudden just came right back up, and it it hasn't slowed us down one bit. It will take something very drastic, uh, war or major financial catastrophe for our prices to go down, but here's, here's why I don't think they will go down for a very long time. Right now, almost everybody that has a house has equity in their house. So if somebody loses their job, let's say lots, thousands of people lose their job next month. They're not going to have to, uh, sell their house for a loss they're going to sell their house and break even or even actually make some money and there's enough buyers that were are willing to gobble up those homes right now so i i don't see prices going down until there's less buyers
0: and i just don't see that
1: mm-hmm. i don't see it <laughs> happening
0: well i it's that makes me happy cuz it's we it, got we got in right anybody that bought a
1: house a year or two or three ago, three years ago has 20, 40, 50, hundred thousand dollars in equity. And you don't, you're, you're not
0: going to fire sell your house. And so prices aren't going to go down. So that actually brings me to another good point. A lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, I should have invested a couple years ago. Is it too late for them to get in?
1: I should have invested myself. I wish I could have bought 10 houses five years ago. Yeah. Um, But to be honest, I actually put an offer on a house today. Hey, congratulations. (laughs) And I got it accepted right before I came here. (laughs) There you go. Um, So if you can buy, it's still a good time. I actually got lucky and found a for sale by owner on Facebook. My wife's like, hey, there's a house on Facebook. Looks like a good deal. Let's drive past it. We drove past it yesterday. Uh, My whole family in the car. She's like, why don't you go knock on the door? I'm like, I'm not knocking on the door. (laughs) I did. The guy was home. He showed me around his house. I put an offer on it. I got accepted today. Um, So I think today is still a good time to buy because I personally believe and I see it in the future that prices are going to still continue to go up.
0: Well, I like that because uh, people, I think, would get comfortable hearing that, especially coming from a real estate agent. It's like, hey, I just bought a home today. (laughs) So it's like, okay, it seems like it's going to be pretty safe. So we want to start getting into the process here on how things work. But before we get there, How when should somebody not get a home? Like when? What kind of market, uh, financial situation? When would you advise not getting one?
1: I would say the market here in Utah is is very favorable for buying houses, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't think the market over the next one or two years is going to be unfavorable for that. But if you don't have a very steady job. Maybe you think your job, you know, is not as solid as it should be, Um, or you think you may be moving away in eight, 12 months, maybe not a good time to buy. You know, I think you should only buy a house if you know you're going to plan to live there for at least, at least a year, more probably 18 months or longer, then I think it's really a good,
0: good idea. So that actually brings me to a good question, Uh, because if people go below the two years, so just a heads up for those who are at home, uh, we did mention this on the podcast, but if you own a personal residence for two years, then you won't be taxed on that when you sell it again. You won't be taxed on the profit you make. Gotcha. On the profit that you
1: make. Or anything, any of the purchase uh, sale price. You just won't be taxed on the profit that you make at all.
0: Gotcha. And so would your general rule of thumb be try to hold it longer than that period? Or does it not matter? Like when when do you recommend if somebody comes to you and says, yeah, I'm only going to have it for a year, what are some of your thoughts? Well,
1: so if you buy a house, let's just use easy numbers. You buy a house for $100,000 and you plan to only live there for a year, year and a half, you know, when you sell it, you're going to pay tax on your profit. Mm -hmm. Let's say you sell it in a year and a half from the time you bought it. And it appreciates from a hundred to $120,000. You know your profit is going to be approximately $20,000. Um, and you know you're going to have to pay tax on that. How much tax are you going to pay on that? I'm guessing right around 15, 20%. So you probably pay around maybe four, four grand, three, four grand out of 20 in tax. Is it still worth it to own? I think so.
0: Hmm. That's actually a really good point. I like that perspective because at that point you're still earning some money. But yeah. even with closing costs and those sort of things. Well,
1: I gave some easy numbers there. You know, if you buy a house for 100000 and you sell it for $120,000 in a year from now, you're going to have realtor fees and closing costs and title company fees and you're not going to make 20,000 in profit
0: so let's walk us through the process here because a lot of our viewers don't know the whole process and it's really confusing you got a title company involved you got uh, you got brokers involved real estate agents you got the seller involved what would be so when somebody comes to you when they sit down with the real estate agent what is the outline what is the process that they should expect working with the real estate agent
1: Uh, so when somebody first meets with me um, looking to buy a house I Well, I talk to them about what they're looking for, what kind of, you know, price range, what's, what kind of payment are they willing to, you know, willing to pay? Um, And then I make sure that they've talked with a a lender uh, so that the lender knows uh, their financial situation, their creditability. Um, So the lender is kind of the first step. Probably should make sure you're able to qualify for a house before you get too excited Mm -hmm. uh, because I have buyer's come out, ask me to show them houses. I talk to them. I show them houses. They get excited. They pull their credit and they realize I can't buy for six months. And that's happened to me in the last two weeks with two people. Um, they get excited. I show them a house and then they, then they talk to the lender and then they're disappointed. So but it's- but there are people that don't really know kind of what their credit score is. They, they don't know that they have derogatory things on their credit report that would prohibit them from buying. Uh, and
0: so, usually the
1: best thing is, um, to talk to a lender first.
0: Excellent. So you talk with the lender first, see what you can get. And at that point that will put your life into perspective saying, okay, this is our max. This is our, this is our min." And then from there they come to you, they sit down with you, you look at the different homes. Uh, so where, so where do they go from there? Let me first say many people get qualified and maybe they're
1: qualified to $400,000 but they don't want to spend that much. They don't want their payment to be that high. So once you get like qualified for the uh, the full amount you can buy, then you got to bring it down to reality. Okay, I'm not mm. comfortable buying
0: a $400,000 house. I need to be under 320. So that's the first step. And I love that. It's So one of the biggest things that we run into is the whole keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Yeah. Just because you get approved for a 500 dollars $600,000 loan doesn't mean you should take it. Correct. So, so once... Once I sit down with the buyers, and we
1: probably did this, uh, sit down with the buyers, ask them questions where they want to buy, what kind of price range they want to be in, uh, what what are their requirements of the house that they want. Uh, then I usually put together a, a search on online of the multiple listing service, the MLS, and um, find a list of houses that meet their criteria. Um, and then I talk with them about, you know, which homes that they want to see. And then I'm out meeting with them, setting up appointments and showing homes.
0: A lot of people, so correct me if I'm wrong, in Utah and other states, it is not required to have a real estate agent. Is that correct? No, you do not have to have a real estate agent, no. So what would be the perk or the benefit to having one in those circumstances? Do you have a lot of people probably think, oh, maybe I can save a few bucks here and there if I don't have one. What would be the argument for a real estate agent and why would you actually, what would be the perks to the individual for using one? So
1: if it may be beneficial for um, when, when family members are selling their house to their kids or something. Do you really need a real estate agent for that? No, you agree upon a price and and, and you sell it. Um, but when you're, when you're not doing that, um, it's often very helpful to have a real estate agent on your side. So realtors are paid almost always by the seller, the seller of the home. Um, and so if you're a buyer wanting to go out and buy a house, um, using a real estate agent doesn't cost you anything. Um, because if you're looking at a house for $300,000, um, that's listed with a real estate agent, the seller is paying both your agent and the listing agent a fee to help with the transaction. So it doesn't cost a buyer anything to use an agent.
0: The immediate upfront cost isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, you don't
1: have to pay out of pocket to pay your real estate agent.
0: So that's a that would be a huge perk, and is that the same thing with multiple states? Is that how California? That's is as well? how the whole
1: real estate system works. Is the seller always pays both realtor fees? Gotcha. Yeah.
0: So that would be a huge relief and a
1: benefit. And also with new construction, it's the same way. So um, uh, let's say one of these big home builders in Utah um, is building a in a neighborhood that you want to buy in, and you go to that uh, builder. And you say, hey, I want you to build a house for me. And they say, okay, and that's going to be $450,000. And you go straight to their agent and you work with their agent. The cost is $450,000. You bring a realtor with you to be your buyer's agent, representing your interest. The house is still $450,000. It doesn't cost you anything to to bring in a buyer's agent. Same price.
0: So that makes a, that feels good. (laughs) That should be a relief to a lot of people. So in that case, it kind of makes sense to use a real estate agent if you're new to the game. Cause so you told us about some resources that you had access to that we didn't, um, at the time. So what is the other, what are some of those perks that a real estate agent would have? So,
1: um, with this crazy market, uh, many sellers are pricing their homes really high. And, um, Sometimes they're priced too high. And if you just, let's say you're driving through a neighborhood and you saw this house listed for sale with an agent and you go straight to that agent and you say, hey, I want to buy this house. That agent's going to try to encourage you to pay full price for that house. And maybe it's $20,000 overpriced. You bring an agent with you who has some experience, who's going to look at the comparables and say, you know what? The neighbor's houses haven't sold for that high. Maybe you want to offer a little less um, and then, you know, get a, a better price price for the house, not overpay for stuff. I've seen many people overpay for stuff.
0: And that's like, that would be a huge thing. One of the other big things that, because uh, another thing that you did with us that actually helped us a ton is we were thinking of negotiating a low amount. And we were saying, hey, maybe we can shave off 15 grand by just, you know, bartering with the guy a little bit. And you're saying, no, not going to happen. It doesn't (laughs)
1: happen with builders, especially when builders know that all their homes are selling like crazy. They're not going to negotiate
0: with you at all because they know that somebody else tomorrow is going to come buy that house. So one, so Kimberly and I, when we first did this, and this is one of our – the reason why we're bringing this up for our audience is because maybe they thought, have felt the same way before. When we were first going through the home buying process, we were thinking maybe we could do it ourselves. And uh, we realized that we knew nothing and we didn't know the markets. We were looking at a bunch of different homes. We didn't know what was good or bad. So what value you brought us was – you were saying, hey, for these homes, realistically, this is a good price or this is a bad price for a particular market or even just a section of the city like we uh, what's the one we looked at and over in Daybreak, we were looking at some in Daybreak that were that you said were good, but you also provided us with some strategies to avoid. Uh, to avoid additional costs as well. Like, what, like uh, what was the one that you did? It was, we walked in this house and we were like, oh, this house is great. And you're like, shh, don't say, <laughs> it's like, don't go too loud on that. So, why was that? I'm trying to remember.
1: Oh, people nowadays have cameras and they're listening to you as you're walking through houses. And, <laughs> and, and as soon as you start talking about how I love this house, now the sellers know that, oh, you know what? They love this house we can, even if they lowball us with a low offer at front at first, we know they're willing to pay a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I say that a lot to my clients as I'm walking through homes. Hey, there's cameras here. Don't say anything.
0: That's something that we never would have thought of. Yeah. And it's just, so having those, so having that knowledge really was a huge benefit to us. And it's uh, so it's, we definitely recommend when we're in the camp where we recommend using a real estate agent because you're in it all the time, right? We're not. And so having somebody that knows the markets better, you're doing this every day, really provided us a ton of value. So we, we love that whole idea and we love the service that happened as well. So here's, a, here's another question then for you on that particular thing. What should someone look for in a real estate agent? Like how do you tell a good one from a bad one? So uh, there's lots of answers. Um, <laughs> I have lots of answers to that.
1: So experience helps. Um, I'm going to give you a great example. Uh, my nephew, about two months ago, was looking for a house in in Weber in Davis County, and he was his budget was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And we had been looking for a few weeks, and the houses in that price range, they're not great. Mm. Um, so as we were looking at a house in Ogden, one of my auto hot auto emails popped up with a brand new listing. And it was, was listed for 210000 in Clinton. And that price in this city is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, we got to go look at this house right now. We, from the time it got listed, from the time we were there, uh, was maybe an hour at the most. I, I looked at the house and I had just sold one in a neighboring city for two seventy five. dollars So I knew this house was worth two ninety, dollars and it was listed for two ten. dollars I immediately looked up the realtor that I'm dealing with as the listing agent, because I want to know what their experience level is, who I'm negotiating with. Right. And I, I realized it was his very first listing. So he had no idea what the demand for this house was and what the true market value was. We put in an offer for $250,000. They had 20 offers on it within two days, and they accepted our offer. Wow.
0: So you still got a steep so, discount.
1: So we paid 40 grand over list price, right? But he didn't know it it was actually we we were buying it 40 grand under value. So then my next step was we did our inspection on the house. Mm-hmm. Um and to be honest, the house was near perfect. But we found a few flaws. I took pictures of these flaws and I wrote a letter to this guy and said, "Hey, uh, we, we got a little eager on our offer, and when we pull up comparables, we really think the house is worth $242,500, and with the condition and these repairs needed, are you willing to take that price? And they did.
0: You're kidding me. <laughs> with
1: no <laughs> objections. So my buyer bought this house for $242,500, and it was worth 290 Why? Because of an inexperienced agent. And those sellers may think, you know, what my guy listed this house for two ten, and we got two forty two, but they don't know that the house was worth two ninety.
0: Oh wow, that's I don't know how you got so, that. <laughs> so
1: does experience help? You bet. You bet. Sometimes it does. Often it does. And I have lots of examples like that. That is a very extreme example, but I have lots of examples like that with smaller dollar amounts. You know, of saving clients,
0: um, but experience helps. I imagine. And so it's, so how do you tell then on face value? Because obviously using an agent there would have totally benefited that individual. If were they Well, they one? used
1: an agent. Yes. But it was but, the agent's first house. But the agent had zero experience. Oh man. And it was probably a son or, a, you know, it was, might've been their parents or a friend, or I don't know how this agent got those sellers, mm-hmm. um, that listing, but his inexperience cost them about fifty thousand dollars. So, how do you know then?
0: It's like what would be uh, the process for somebody saying, "Okay, I don't want an agent like that." <laughs> like,
1: ask what? ask their experience. How many homes have you sold? How long have you been in the business? How many homes did you sell in the past
0: year? Is there a is there a risk? So, you look at experience reviews, probably
1: reviews. Yes, look at look at the reviews. I have fantastic reviews. On Google, on many different websites, um, and there are other agents and companies that don't have great reviews. So yeah, look at reviews.
0: Look at reviews. It's, that's actually what we did. You told us to, and we looked at them. And we're like, okay, looks good. <laughs> I told you to look at my reviews. Uh huh. <laughs> you, you did, and we're like, okay, well, uh, these all look really good. <laughs> and, word of mouth. and
1: now, hopefully, I have a review from you. <laughs> I'm sure
0: I do. I think Kimberly I did. Yep. I wrote it. <laughs> So then let's say so is there any worry to using let's say a real estate uh, a real estate agent that's working with like an institutional company or something like that a more larger company like what would be it's uh sometimes there's the concern of doing something local versus larger um i i would say there's there's hundreds and
1: hundreds of real estate brokerages right mm-hmm. and the brokers have agents working at their offices there are I believe twenty-two thousand or so agents in Utah. Um, lots and lots of good agents with lots of good experience. Um, so I don't think it matters which brokerage they work for, whether they're Remax or Coldwell Banker or Equity or Realty Path or a small local local shop. It it doesn't really matter. Um, it, what matters most is experience. Uh, Your relationship with that person, you know, sometimes you work well with people, sometimes you don't. Um, And just getting that vibe. I've had lots of people come to me and say, you know what? I was working with this other agent and I just didn't like, I just didn't like, I didn't have a good feeling about it. Mm -hmm. I'd go into houses and they're trying to push me to push me to buy this house. And they're like, with, with me, they come to me and they say, with you, you're not like that. You're not pushing me you're not trying to sell me something you're actually pointing out problems and telling me not to buy this house sometimes
0: well that was our experience it's we were looking at uh we were looking at several homes and you just spotted water damage now i see i think uh so your experience doesn't just come from the real estate but also from construction yeah i used
1: to build homes before i did this and realized that i love it i'm building a garage in my backyard right now um Uh, and I love construction. It's just too hard on my body. Mm-hmm. And so I decided years ago, I can't do this forever.
0: I'm going to start a new profession. That totally makes sense. And having that background surely puts you above others from what I've seen, because you're able to not just help people on, oh, this home looks good. This is a worth a good value, but you can spot problems quickly yeah. on the construction side.
1: Yeah. So as I'm, as I'm meeting with buyers showing houses, um, they're walking through the houses, I'm walking behind them, I'm looking for problems. Because I don't want a buyer to put an offer on a house and then go do an appraisal and inspection and realize, you know what, this house had water damage. I wish I would have known that ahead of time. I'm looking for those problems ahead of time, and I find a lot of problems like that.
0: <laughs> there was one not always, but there was one in our house that you found that I'm like, there's no way I could have found that. And it was the stairs. You were walking down the stairs and you found a loose step. But when we walked on it, nothing happened. But you were like doing like a skateboarding thing. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that. It's It was actually funny because the builders, they were there and they saw you. They were just like, oh. <laughs> they weren't very happy. I
1: love finding problems in front of the builders. I love it. <laughs>
0: Like we loved it because their phases, they totally were just like, Ugh. <laughs> but it helped us because you got it fixed. So do you, is there a problem at all? Like, I don't know if this is something that exists in the real estate community, but is there a problem with getting too busy? Like, let's say, is that something that consumers should be worried about? Like, let's say, or clients, shall I say, if you have a client that is looking for a real estate agent and one is just so busy, it's like, they're not answering their phone calls. That could be a problem for sure.
1: Um, well, if you're a buyer and you're reaching out to your agent and they're not responding to you in, you know, an hour or two or a reasonable time frame, if it takes them a day or two to get back to you, that's crazy. Uh, they don't they don't have your best interest at heart. Um, so I work with a lot of people. Last year I sold a lot of homes um, and I've sold in one month. 17, 18 homes at a, in one month. Wow. And is that crazy? You bet. But I still make all of my clients feel like they're my only client. Um and and so as long as you feel that and you're giving response, then that that's what you need.
0: It's I can't believe 17 homes in one month. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah.
1: La- and- last year was my best year ever. I sold 150 houses.
0: Congratulations. So no that's way. more
1: than twelve on average, 12 a month. Wow. That it is, was by far the absolute most I've ever sold but
0: And what uh, so what months do you find are the most busy when it comes to uh,
1: selling? May,
0: June, July, summertime frame. Yeah. Yeah. So in uh wintertime frame is it just dead or is there still No, it's not dead. Probably one of the slower months is August. You're kidding me. It's
1: when people are kind of going back to school, August, September and they and they like they stop buying. It's 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 crazy, but they should be a busy time, but I've noticed in the past few years that it's a little bit slower
0: that's opposite than i expected it is it's op- opposite what i expect too i was just like winter makes sense but not august so now the question is what if uh what are some tips when you're purchasing a new home and uh do you have any processes things that people should look for immediately so
1: um tips for for buying um i would say in an older house any older than three four years five years Definitely get a home inspection. Mm. Um, as I'm helping buyers, I'm walking through initially and saying, oh, you know, I think the roof is bad and, you know, the the water heater looks pretty bad. And I'm kind of giving little pointers. But a home inspector is going to go in and do a thorough evaluation and uh, give you a report on what problems they find. Uh, so that's one thing that buyers really need to do uh, is is get a home inspection.
0: I think that's a good tip just so you can get a certified, hey, you know, there's issues with this home or not. What about a home that is being built? Because I remember with us, there were some things that weren't done and we were we had to get on the builders before dates, certain deadlines. So what would your tips and tricks be for a home that's being built? Monitoring the progress
1: monitoring the progress. If you've asked them to put in an extra gas line to your dryer or uh, some extra outlets here and there or something, going to the to the job site and watching that, watching that happen, uh, making sure, oh yeah, they did put the gas line in where it was supposed to. Uh, for example, I have some people building right now in Harriman or Riverton, way west by, by the mine. And Uh, We went, I went to their four-way walkthrough before the house, before they, it's, it's all framed up and the electrical's in and all that stuff. They just haven't put the drywall in yet. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that on their front porch, their eaves were really crooked. And so I pointed that out to the home buyer. We pointed that out to the superintendent and then they went and fixed it. We looked two houses down the street, the exact same house. Nobody had done that before, and their eaves were really crooked, and it looks terrible.
0: Oh no! Um,
1: so just monitoring the quality and monitoring that that building process.
0: It's. I remember you gave us that advice, and we were uh, we were kind of stringent on this. We were visiting the house every week. You should be. <laughs> we were there a lot, taking pictures and videos. So that was. I think that helped because we, I. I remember you guys caught your handrails right yeah No, it was not just that it's our design in the home was supposed to have that hole underneath the stairs leaving that uh entryway exposed so that way it made the room feel more open that was gone they filled that in and also the rails like you were saying the railings it's that they put in like a uh, like a half wall in yeah. that and it just looked horrible <laughs> and and we fought we did and we got our we got our way without an extra dime which was good <laughs> Hey, they promised it, right? Yeah. So that actually brings me to another good question. It's, uh, you were an expert with contracts and you pointed a ton of things in contracts out when being, when a home was being built. What are some things in contracts when you're dealing with a new or with a builder that you should be looking at when you're actually, uh, reviewing the, the documentation?
1: Well, the first thing I point out to buyers purchasing, uh, a new home, uh, a brand new home, is the builder most of the time doesn't give you any flexibility to back out of the contract and get any of your earnest money back. So from day one, your earnest money is non-refundable if you back out of the house.
0: For our viewers, what's earnest money?
1: uh, When you, let's say you're buying a new townhouse from one of these builders, Edge or Ivory, that's $320,000. They're going to ask you for a deposit upfront, probably around 4,000 bucks, something like that three, 4,000 bucks. And it's just a good faith uh, amount of money that says, Hey, I'm interested in buying your house.
0: And does that get, uh, so that gets paid by the consumer before any financing is done. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Before sometimes often before they even start to build the house
0: and does that, that price goes into the overall price of the home.
1: Yeah. That three or $4,000 or however much it is goes towards your down payment when you end up signing the purchase papers at, at
0: the end. And does that sometimes go away with buyer's market if you're in a buyer's market, or is it just something you see typically in seller's market, or is it always there?
1: There's always earnest money. And if you're buying not a brand new house, but a regular existing house, uh, you're going to put up earnest money as well on that purchase contract. Most people here in Utah are pretty cheap, and they do a $1,000 earnest money. Another another a- answer to your question, you said, what else do we uh, should we look for in, in especially builder's contracts? Um, and I think this happened to you, builders do not give you a time frame in which they will finish your house. Usually they say, Hey, we're going to be eight to 10 months or six to eight months or something like that. And they, in their contract, I, I think this happened to it you. Sure did. <laughs> they, they, they put in there that they can finish it basically whenever they want. And you got strung out what, four extra months maybe? We Six? were almost a year. Yeah. Almost we, a year we extra.
0: Not extra. It was, I think they said four to five months to build. And so it was an extra three to four five months or something like that. And that probably wasn't fun. No. <laughs> so
1: so that's something that you gotta consider when building a new house is. Um you you have no idea how long it's gonna take.
0: Mm. So that makes sense. So just if you're building a home, kind of have in mind, plan a buffer, basically, yes. yeah. a buffer of several months. So that way you're not disappointed when that happens, because more than likely it's going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't.
1: Most of the time it doesn't happen. For you, it did.
0: You got lucky. <laughs> it's, I guess it depends, too, just like on how busy the market is. Like if there's uh, if it's a seller's market, there's just so much construction going on. Maybe that's where it would happen more.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, the, the coronavirus could have had an impact. So something like that could have an impact on the you know, time frame it takes. Uh, I don't think the coronavirus has had a very big impact with uh, current new home construction, uh, but it could have. If, if, the, if the economy was shut down for three or four months, well, your house isn't being
0: finished. So what mistakes, I'm actually very excited to hear some of your, I don't know if you have stories associated with this or any thoughts, but what mistakes have you seen people make when they're actually purchasing a home?
1: I'd say one of the biggest things is overpaying, Mm. especially in this market. uh, Sellers are raising their price like crazy and uh, a buyer sees that house brand new listing on the market. They run out within a day to go see it. And they're so excited about somebody else putting in an offer and, you know, getting beat out on this house that they love that they overpay. Um, that happens all the time. And it happens to me as a listing agent. Very often I'm doing the same thing. I'm telling my sellers, you know what? I know there are so many people that want to buy your house. Let's just see if we can get this price. Mm. And we listed for a price that's 10, 15, $20,000 over what other homes have sold for to get a sucker. Mm-hmm. And it often works. We get that one sucker willing to pay a, a huge price for this house and in my mind I'm thinking too bad for you yeah but I'm working for my seller and I'm trying to get my seller the most money and they think I'm a hero um so um, that's I think one of the biggest problems is, is overpaying. So when you're when you're a buyer using a buyer's agent, that buyer's agent is going to be looking at the comparable sales and saying this house isn't worth that Here's an example. Two weeks ago, I went up to Snowville. I've never been there before, (laughs) so the border of Utah and Idaho, to look at a house that was listed for two hundred thousand dollars. There are very few homes listed for two hundred thousand dollars, and I think this had like close to two acres. So they were super excited, and we went looked at the house. We were there for about an hour, and they're like, "We love it. We want to offer them. We want this house. Should we give them what they're asking?" And I said. Mm, I don't know. They said we're willing to pay them two hundred thousand. I said, let me look at the comparable sales. I came back with a value of around one sixty. So I said, look, there's homes that have sold kind of like this within the last year for one thirties, one fifties. Given the market situation, I think it's about worth one sixty. Um, so that's a pretty drastic example of somebody somebody could overpay
0: for that. Mm-hmm. Abs- oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's a lot of savings too. Yeah. And it's- that house will not sell for 200. I I know that. Uh it might sell for 180, which is still too high, but really it should sell for 160s and maybe 170s. Um so that's the benefit of using an agent
0: uh and not having to overpay it's so how does the process look when you're ready to put in an offer? So once I'm there, once I'm thinking, this is the home, this is the one that I want. Where, how does that process go? What,
1: what I do with my buyers is they say, I love it. I want to put in an offer. What do you think it's worth? I, I can't give them an answer on the spot. Uh, usually uh, I say, you know what? I'm going to go straight to go my computer. I'm going to look at the comparable sales and I'm going to give you my opinion. With, The example that I gave you about my nephew buying that house for $242, it was listed for $210 and we offered $250. Some people might think I'm crazy for telling them to offer 40 grand over the list price, right? That's crazy. But when you realize that it was way underpriced, um, 250 is a bargain. Right. And so sometimes I'm telling my clients, you know what, you really need to pay a little more if you want this house. I think it's worth this much maybe maybe you got to pay five grand over value maybe you have to pay 40 grand over like my nephew did uh most of the time i'm telling my seller or buyers though is i think this is a little overpriced let's
0: come in with this offer so the question that i have here then uh ryan is what if what are some of the expectations in the actual transaction itself so let's say i go over to a seller that's purchasing a home or selling a home rather i go over to a seller that's selling a home what options do they have? Once I put down money, what is the seller going to do? So the seller doesn't have to uh,
1: even respond to your offer. So here's an example I have right now. Uh, I have a house for sale in Ogden, and it's in a price range that's extremely hot. I have four or five buyers with their real estate agents that have put in offers to us. And they've they put in offers and said, hey, we here's our offer. We want an answer by 5 p.m. I'm working for the seller and going, Okay, well, thanks for putting that time frame on there. We don't care about your time frame. Um, we have multiple offers we're looking at, and I'm trying to negotiate with all three or four of these buyer's agents who's going to give me the best price. So I'm manipulating each one of them and saying, Hey, well, what will you do? I have four offers. What will you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't know that I'm doing all this behind the scenes. Um, so when, you, when you're when you a buyer and you put in an offer, you can't expect that immediately This within a day that the seller has to respond to your offer, they may be doing stuff behind the scenes uh, to try to drum up other business, uh, other better offers.
0: That makes sense. It's because I think a lot of buyers can get some... Uh, they can have some false expectations where they're just like, "Hey, I'm putting an offer. Let me know now." <laughs> they're very demanding or, sometimes, or or they
1: put in a full price offer and expect that you're going to get it. So right. this particular house I'm talking about uh, is listed for two hundred thirty five thousand. I have offers now, most of them at 240, one at two forty five. I'm 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 working the system on the seller's side and stalling here and there and trying to uh, see. Whose offer is actually the best? And can I get any of these people to come up even
0: higher in price? Well, that makes sense because you want to earn money too. It's like if you're if you're selling the stuff or the seller, right? The yeah. seller wants to make money. So what are they gonna offer? Yeah. <laughs> that's and I think people need to realize that is the market. Like that's what people do in buying and selling transactions. It's no different than what you would do if you were buying a car or any other type of item.
1: And here's what's really frustrating being a buyer, buying a home is in this market it's highly uh competitive and on many homes there are multiple offers and this is uh, buying a house and putting in an offer is like a silent bid on eBay you don't know what other people are offering sometimes um it's not like an, a live auction where you know that you're gonna pay a thousand dollars more and a thousand dollars more um it's everybody's bid is silent mm. and those bids aren't shared with with everybody. So um, sometimes buyers are offering the listed price. Sometimes buyers are offering way over the listed price. And you just don't know what everybody
0: else is offering. It's very frustrating. I imagine that could be, especially since so many families are moving to Utah and trying to find their first homes, it can be a very frustrating thing. And so I think that's just where it's very useful talking to somebody with experience. Where they can say, hey, you're not gonna get this home. <laughs> because they with a particular offer because they know that game. They've yeah. seen it. So should people do it on their own? No. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> After this conversation, it's if, pretty convincing. If, if
1: if a buyer comes to a uh, uh yeah, a buyer comes to me on their own and I'm representing a seller, I'm gonna take advantage of them. Uh because I, I know I can. So Here's an example that just happened. I told you I, I just bought a house today, right? Some, I think I said some people posted their house on Facebook. They had it listed last year with an agent for $275, last year, last summer, and the house didn't sell. It needed some work and it didn't sell. So when I went to their house yesterday, I said, How much do you, do you want for your house? And he said, Well, we want to just clear $250. And I'm thinking to myself, this house is worth $330. Right now, in the condition that it's in. So I said, hey, I'm very interested. I sent them an offer for 250 They weren't working with an agent to tell them that their house was way undervalued. Um, and so I took advantage. <laughs>
0: it's, you want the lower price.
1: <laughs> yes. That's, that's the price he said he wants for his house. And I'm giving him exactly what he wants. He's happy. I'm also happy too. Uh, but... If he was working with an agent today, that agent, most agents would have said, you know what, you should at least list your house for $299 or $300, but I think it's worth $330. Uh, so um, that, that seller, by doing it on their own,
0: is losing a lot of money. And that makes so much sense cuz that's almost with yeah. every single industry. Now you're making me almost feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, it's that's, <laughs> you, it's I I'm from the camp where you should do that. It's uh the reason why is because if you can get it cheaper, why wouldn't you? It's the same thing if you go to the store, there's a computer that is the same exact computer that's $200 and there's another seller going from $500. Where are you going to go? Yeah. The $200. Yeah. So it's like that is not at all a bad thing. It's if someone's selling it for a certain price, that's their prerogative. Yeah. A Pr- prerogative. If I can say the word properly, <laughs> that's their prerogative. So in that sense, that's where it makes sense to have a real estate agent to help you. I,
1: I am glad that I have that experience and that knowledge uh, to know that no know when, when it is a good deal. Absolutely.
0: It's uh, it's the same thing with like a lawyer. It's like you go into a court without a lawyer. What's going to happen?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be bad. You get destroyed. Uh, so this same thing happens often a lot with buyers building new construction. They're like, why do I need an agent? I just go straight to the builder and they have a nice salesperson there and they're so helpful mm, and point. they're going to help me. I don't need you. I don't need a buyer's agent on my side. What what, what are you going to do for me? I have many, many, many experiences with builders taking advantage of buyers and not doing quality work and not doing what they say they were going to do. Um, and I step in and I force them try to force them and often are successful forcing them to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, so I would say, especially if you're building a new house, it doesn't cost you a penny more. Contact me. Contact an agent. But if you don't have an agent you want to work with, contact
0: me. I think that makes so much sense. It's You guys
1: did it. We did. It was pretty,
0: went pretty well, didn't it? It did. We're very happy with our place and it's, uh, we couldn't be happier. This was our first. You, like, it's honestly, like you helped us with getting the right lender because we didn't have a lender at that point. You had a good lender at the time. Oh, that's true. We did. That's right. We did have a good one. You just got us a better one.
1: <laughs> like, when the time was right, I said, Hey, are you happy with your lender?
0: What's your rate? And I think you probably told me your rate. And I said, I have a guy that would beat it. That's true. That I totally forgot about that other lender. <laughs> it's been so long ago. So it's th- this information has been awesome. I, Ryan, like we want to thank you so much for helping us personally, but also for coming on the show, helping our audience, because it's tricky. It's tricky learning this stuff and understanding the ins and outs. So thank you for coming on the show, providing some perspective. So what are you doing these days? How can somebody get a hold of you if they want to uh, use some of your services? So I have a new
1: website. Um, it's called agentforfree.com agentforfree.com. Um, is that number four or just F-O-R-4? It's all spelled out. Perfect. Agent for Um, that's the easiest way to get a, get a hold of me. Perfect. And, and on my website, I have explainer videos. Like if you're, if you're buying a new house, here's what to expect. If you're selling your house and then buying another one, here's kind of, here's how the process works. I've got some explainer
0: videos on there. Fantastic. You heard everybody. So, if you want to get in touch with Ryan, go to uh, go to agentforfree.com. Get in touch with him if you have any additional questions, and he'll help you out just like he helped us out. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been fun.
1: The information shared on our show is for educational purposes only and is
0: not intended to be advice. Reach out to a professional for your specific situation.